That's the only way we go. That's the only way we go. WKCR-FM New York. This is Jazz Alternatives. If this isn't, I don't know what is. And uh, we're doing a deep focus. This is a treat, man. My guest in the studio tonight, I have to tell you, when I came up with the idea for this show some years ago, and I thought about the... uh, uncanny listening abilities of some of the people that I knew, musicians in particular, uh, one person floated up into my mind, uh, somebody who's just got ears the size of the great outdoors, <laughs> who hears everything, and I uh, finally roped him into coming in tonight. Welcome to the studio, Reggie Sylvester. Oh, Mitch, it, it's just such an honor. Um it's an honor to be, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Uh, we go back decades, literally decades. Centuries. Se- actually, <laughs> centuries, yes, yes. Um, the Decoding Society uh-huh. and uh, Vernon Reed uh, and yep, yep, Melvin yep. Gibbs. The- yep, yep, yep. But uh, you have, um, you, you've covered quite a bit of ground yourself. And uh, there's a chapter in your life that we're going to be exploring tonight that um, I don't know if it seemed like it was ever going to have to end, but, uh, mm. but it did. And uh, so there's something a little bit bittersweet about mm. this tonight, but um, tell us who we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about, um, so far, the most important chapter in my life as a musician was the um, the last years of the life of the great guitarist Burn Nix. Um, I was in the Burn. I was so blessed to be in the Burn Nix Quartet um, from April of 2012 to wow. We didn't even. I mean to his death um, at the middle of the, in the middle of this year, which was a total shock to all of us. Uh, We gigged the Saturday uh, before he died, the quartet. Uh, We played the Henry Winston Center. Um, And, um, you know, um, Byrne was rehearsing for, uh, the primetime rehearsals, um, primetime was uh, put back together, and everybody was there. And um, 
Byrne had re, had uh, rehearsed the, I believe it was the Tuesday before, and um, we had a gig on on Saturday at the Henry Winston Center, and um, we had a rehearsal uh, that week, which I believe was the day before, and Byrne was so happy. We were so happy to um, we were so happy to have that gig, and. Um, the last time I saw Burn, um, he had he <laughs> he had a, a a glass of red wine, and he had his small cube amp and his new um, soft guitar case, and he was headed back home. He um, the gig was on Twenty Third Street at the Winston at the Winston Center, and he lived on Twentieth um, and Seventh in a. Uh, um, in a single room walk-up um, that he had for a long time. But um, yeah, it was a single room walk-up, one room with no inside bathroom. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, just the, um, just the economic deprivations that, um, you know, jazz musicians have to go through but he he was head you know we finished the gig and um we had a we had a, a couple of musicians that were there that burn loved once you got burn started talking mm. um he loved to talk to other musicians we had um we had um um patrick brennan was there um john diaz the um like a progressive rock musician he was there they were having a great conversation um there was a lot there was musicians that were there that burn was the most accessible the most accessible um personality you'd ever want to meet in jazz I'm, I, you know what i'm really i didn't know burn as well as you did but i knew him he'd been on the show a few times over the years and uh i had a very nice relationship with him and um he, he didn't seem like, uh, wasn't always, you know, like an ebulliently uh, joyous persona. He had this kind of downbeat way about him that was kind of in his identity and in his playing and everything. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that uh, it sounds like, you know, I know you brought a lot of joy into his life and the music that he made with you. And I'm glad to hear that he was in his element, you know, at... Uh, at the end of days. He had such sympathy for um, other younger and even older, you know, developing musicians or even, I mean, not, I mean, totally developed musicians. Right. But, but, you know, the thing was, is that once you got, once you got burned started, plus he had a fantastic sense of humor. Yes. This, <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, his laugh. Yeah. Um, we would have um, we rehearsed um, we rehearsed uh, the bass player of the Burnicks Quartet Francois Griot we rehearsed over at his place and he had a full um, Pro Tools studio you know in his kitchen so they were like the kitchen rehearsals and we had no limit on time you know, so, you know, rehearsal would start at 5 o'clock and, you know, might end at 10, might end at 11. Um, 
Francois might cook. Um, he's a great chef. He cook all these French dishes and um, you know, like cook cook up some soup or some stuff like that. And we'd be there after you know after we run through some stuff, and we'd be listening to um, you know, Bern would say, "Yeah, Francois, play that back. <laughs> yeah, play that back. Play that back." And we'd be there, you know, eating and stuff. And we, I mean, the sense of humor between the two of them, um, mm. you know, it was, it was, it was almost like, um, you know, Jack Klugman, Tony Randall kind <laughs> of, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was such a great, I mean, the best years of my life musically. Well, that, I that, mean, nothing, nothing better than that. If you, you might know, uh, Bernick's probably, if certainly best known as a guitar player in Ornette Coleman's prime time for a number of years, but if that's all you know of Burn Nix, well, you know him as a, a singular voice. Every musician in that band was a completely singular voice, unlike any other. Um, Burn maybe more than others. and But that is tip of the iceberg of what Burn Nix was all about. We're going to try to pe- peel back a few layers of the onion and uh, get into uh, some other things. And we've got some great music that you've never heard. It's, uh, you're, you're coming along for a great ride here. Now, the first piece we're gonna hear is actually, as I understand it, I'm gonna let you tell the story, the first time you played in front of an audience with Bern It's This is incredible that we have this. This is really just a bit of, uh, I, I won't say luck, I'll say, to quote Sun Ra, fate in a pleasant mood. Oh, blessing. Um, thank you um, for, for, for having it. Um, the first gig I did, <laughs> the first gig I had with Burn Nix was at the Iridium. Um, and um, this, this, this cut is um, Desert Storm. Um, and uh, I, I think it's probably, I think it's probably best we, we we go into it. This is um Desert Storm actually was on the um um the record two records before uh, what we're going to be playing tonight the Alarms record, um, but this was the um the Iridium um Desert Storm live with the Burn Nicks Quartet um Matt Lavelle on trumpet um Francois Griot on acoustic bass and myself on drums, and Byrne on guitar. You are listening to Deep Focus on WKCR. My guest, drummer Reggie Sylvester and Mitch Goldman. Let's go to Iridium. Reggie Sylvester. On bass, Francois Rio. And um, we're gonna start with the Desert Thank you. 
it ends just like that. I wish we had more of that. Wow. You are listening to WKCR. We're going to come back to that because that's another wonder of nature that we're going to explore. Uh, this is WKCR. The program is called Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. My guest tonight, drummer Reggie Sylvester. And we are listening to music, specifically of Burn Nicks, right now, music that Reggie made with Burn. And that was your first gig. Yeah, that was my first <laughs> gig with, with, with Burn. Um, um, it, was, it, was <laughs> it was an interesting... Um, because I, you know, this, this, the Burnix Quartet, the, his last group with um, Matt Lavelle on trumpet, um, Francois Griot on bass, myself on drums, and Burn on guitar, um, that was actually his compositional band. I mean, I mean, um, a lot of people know him for his, um, the way he played, um, as a guitarist with Ornette and um, his style of playing, but as a composer, you know, he, absolutely unique. Yes. Well, I think I think a lot of people, even people who consider themselves to be fans of his, don't necessarily realize how thoroughgoing he was, how knowledgeable he was, how how structured his thinking was, how vast his vocabulary vast maybe talk about that a little bit encyclopedic um his knowledge of um as an example um (laughs) pre charlie christian guitarists um you know these guitarists that were before charlie you know the charlie christian being the guy playing with benny goodman people think of as the wasn't the first electric guitar player but he was kind of the first guy who was known for playing leads and solos and being a frontline instrument. Yeah. And uh, he was he was totally unique and died very, very young and uh, was one of the great influences of every guitarist who came after him. Just give a little pencil uh, sketch background in case people don't know Charlie Christian. Something for you to look up. Make yourself a little note. Check out Charlie Christian when you get a chance. But he's so I didn't realize Byrne was interested not just in music going back to the 30s and to that time, but even before you're before, saying, wow, before it was like you know, one thing that I did the, the last basically from the second rehearsal pretty much to his death. Um, Matt would leave earlier, you know, would, would leave rehearsal first um, to go go home. He was married. And um, me and Byrne would hang around Francois' house a little longer. And then afterwards, m- myself and Byrne, we would either walk. In the beginning, we would walk from um, up in the 50s all the way down to 20th and 7th. Burn and the beginning like to walk, you know, and so I would be walking with Burn and, you know, it was, it was, man, it was like um, that movie that, um, <laughs> that movie that, that uh, when Walter Matthau played Einstein. Oh, yeah. And I don't know who the, um, 
the protagonist of the movie was this this younger ass, uh, assistant at Princeton or something, and his job was basically to hang out with Einstein, you know. And it was like that, you know. You're walking <laughs> 35 blocks with Byrne, and Byrne knows every Byrne he Byrne knows everybody. Byrne his knowledge of um and, and the, the pre Charlie Christian guitarist, the country swing guitarist, the Bob Wills, and I'm trying to think of some of these other guys that, um, um, you know, I mean, people that, that I didn't, I never heard of. I never heard of, you know, his, his knowledge of, of that was encyclopedic, you know, so, so to have a chance to actually, um, I mean, he had an encyclopedic knowledge. He, he wrote, and um, he was a writer as well, and he's got literary stuff that um, he wrote. Uh, poetry that he wrote um he he read stuff like the new york review of books like really you know you know serious literature um you know types of types of stuff you know i mean i mean it was it was like it was um in i mean he, he was a very encyclopedic type of a person um as well as um People in other scenes of music, I would kind of say, in my opinion, the last 10 years of his life, um, he was, I guess people would consider him avant-garde, you know, but when Byrne came into the city in the 70s after Berkeley, I mean, all these other musicians before Ornette Coleman was were, were interacting with Byrne. So I would get people who were in totally different circles from the avant-garde you know like in um people that were in um uh there there, there are some i live in i live in brooklyn bedford stuyvesant and 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 there, there there's a there's there's a community of musicians there that um that scene is not 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 so much of an avant-garde scene i would say modal hard and hard bop type of a scene you know and most of them knew Byrne when he says, "Yeah, you're playing with Byrne, Reg. You, you, yeah, you, you, you." Know. And then people in 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 the Harlem scene, the the hard bop scene, they knew Byrne, you know. And then as well, people in the Black Rock Coalition scene, oh yeah, knew Byrne, you know. I mean, people in the progressive rock experimental scene, they knew Byrne, you know. I mean, he was encouraging. To um, all these all all these people ac- across genres, they knew his work. They studied his work intensely, um, and he was just so um. I don't know. He was just so uh, generous, and um, I've seen I've seen him go to see uh, um other guitarists um one that i he he went out to brooklyn to see ava mendoza play i remember that you know and like he went out there and he saw her play you know and he you know he had the the subways changed you know like the the um the roots of the subways changed so like the a train became another route you know right and you know and you know he patiently dealt with all of that just to um check out younger 
Um, younger musicians, very encouraging. Um, and it, it, Well, he, he's, I'm not sure. to interrupt you, but he sounds very generous in his playing. That piece that we just heard, very different. If, if Again, if your point of comparison is Byrne Nicks playing with Ornette Coleman, which, I mean, he played for huge audiences, and there's probably most listeners of this show are familiar with that music, and um, very, very different kind of musical language, and he's he's very giving on the bandstand with you guys, it sounds like. He's very responsive, and he's very supportive, and, and uh, I love the way that he's... The way he comps, the way that he's continually evolving his his vocabulary is really interesting. That, I mean, thank you for saying that, Mitch. That was that was the rehearsals. Um, he had he had the. The nicest, but um, he would like point you in a direction. Or oh, for me, you know, he might say if I was playing too much, he might say, um, "Chatter, chatter, chatter." <laughs> 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 you know, I, would, I, I mean, I would, I would, yeah. I, okay, got it. I got it. Just had to say that once, you know. <laughs> and he would point people in directions, but we had the freedom within the compositions. Like, as an example, I mean, um, a lot of the tunes, um, I had freedom to, um, I never had a drum chart. I um, I always had, um, um, there were lead sheets. Um, I could subdivide and play with the time signature any way I wanted to, because um, the um, Francois Griot, incredible bass player, they wanted a conversational thing that was always, you know, Francois would say, well, you don't want to do the same thing twice. You know? <laughs> and so, like, I could play with the time signature. And um, there, was a, um, there was another musician... Um, that was telling me about about something called the slack theory, where the slack theory where um, I did not, in, in a matter of fact, this person told me about this maybe in about six weeks ago. And this person did play with Ornette. And he said, oh, well, well what you were doing was the slack theory. I said, what's that? You know, as one, as one person would get more complex, the other person would get simpler. And everybody was, was playing the whole. So a lot of the times, I would just play the simplest stuff, you know, and Francois would get complex, and then sometimes I would play, and then, but Byrne would be playing this stuff that was in between us, pointing us in, you know, well, we could go down this road, we can go to that road. You don't have to go down the same road every time. You all know the tunes, you know, I mean, to prepare for Burns gigs, you know, you, you, I, I, I would, I would, I would, I would take the stuff and I would just listen all day, and I would solo against where the forms were, mm. 
you know, so I knew I knew where the forms were. You don't, I mean, I just knew where the forms were. And just so long as we all were playing, you know, it was like we were breathing the same quarter note. Mm. To me, if the band breathes the same quarter note, but you're not putting, like, numbers on it, you know, so it's not like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, the time is dot, 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 dot. Or duh, 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 or duh. If we are all breathing, if everybody in the same ensemble is breathing the same quarter note, then you have the freedom. That's a so- very harmonic concept. Yeah, I, 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 it, I, to me, to me right now, that's like. I have a, I, I have another group with a with 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 a singer, Lindsay Wilson, and she used to. Um, her and um, our bass player that we have now, Michael, we used to, um, they used to listen to us. They used to listen, we cold booked some gigs and um, that has definitely seeped into the way they play right now where if we breathe the same quarter note, if everybody's breathing the same quarter note, you can take turns. You can take turns on stuff spontaneously. Mm. Because everybody's breathing the same quarter note. Mm-hmm. We, you, you just... <gasps> everything fits. Everything fits. <laughs> everything fits. It, it's like, you know, and it's something that I personally believe comes from um, playing. Um, the Burnix Quartet for the first three years, for sure, whether we had a gig or not, you know, and we, we didn't really have that many gigs. We didn't really have that many gigs. We played some really great places, uh, but we didn't, as far as the quantity of gigs, we didn't really have that many gigs. Well, it, se- it seemed to me that you made them all count. They were oh, every, every gig was killing. Every, <laughs> gig, every, every, every gig was killing. But we rehearsed every week. You know, we were not a we transfer, media fire, you put in whatever... You know, I mean, we people tr- might not know what that means. Maybe you can. Uh... Um, what happens, in my opinion, in the last five or six years, is that a lot of jazz groups, what they do is they they electronically, digitally send people the music um, on email by WeTransfer. You know, and you like get the music, and you 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 get it on your email and you study it, and then you go to one or two rehearsals. And that's it, because you got it like a couple of days before on WeTransfer, you know, and and you heard it and you studied it and you did one or two rehearsals. And in my opinion, this is controversial. Yeah, this is controversial. People aren't gonna like this. In in, in my opinion, that's not really good to, to um, I guess sometimes you have to do that because of the economics and because of the price of rehearsal studios and stuff, you know, because another, you know, another great idea for investors and people that want to invest capital is not for investing in recording studios, but investing in rehearsal studios, particularly in the outer boroughs, because there's not, there's not, there's a lot of recording you know, but rehearsal studios, you know, I mean, there's a there's a need for rehearsal studios to work out tunes, you know, and what a lot of bands do, 
or what a good deal of bands do is that they um they send everybody the music on we transfer that's that seems to be the most popular one media fire um and um you know you listen to it on media fire and then you do one or two rehearsals and yeah you know you heard the tune blah 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 you know maybe you get a lead sheet or something like that and then you'd go and do the gig on the basis of that where um the first three to three and a half years and we didn't work that much we rehearsed every week on mondays usually you yeah. weren't listening to my show why don't you know we have this is a another wonder of the universe smiling on us the universe wanted you to hear this music tonight that's the only explanation for the fact that it's here it presented itself to us we have uh we have a couple of really really as we said each one of these gigs really counted for a lot um we have that tribute to jane cortez Mm, and we have the um, Vision Festival from 2013. Should we should we explore oh. one of these? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, the, the 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 Vision the Vision Fest that was in. The, I I have to give um, um, Patricia Parker and um, and Arts for Arts. Um, they were a consistent employer, and um, that was one of the. That was one of the best gigs that um, that I played was um, the Vision Festival um, 2013 helped a lot, put us out there. We were treated with, you know, the, the, the highest level of respect. Um, yeah, um, Arts for Arts, the um, Arts for Arts, uh, Patricia Parker, they they did us really, they did us really good by that. Well, so this is, it's the quartet, right? This, this is the, the Burnix Quartet with Matt Lavelle, Francois Griot, um, myself on drums, and um, Burnix on guitar. And uh, my guest, Reggie Sylvester, drummer. And uh, we are in deep focus of the music of guitarist Burnix. And uh, let's get in the WKCR time machine. <laughs> 2013. <laughs> oh, this is a wonder. Uh, Mitch Goldman is WKCR Deep Focus.
at the Vision Festival. The year is 2013, and you are listening to Burn Nick's Quartet. You're also listening to WKCRFM New York and WKCRHD1, maybe WKCR.org, maybe 89.9 FM. Any way you slice it, um, Jazz Alternatives, heard each weeknight from 6 to 9 p.m., and uh, every once in a while on these Monday nights, we get to do this show we call Deep Focus. You are deep in it. You don't even know. It's all over you. It's, I don't know what it is, but it's crawling up your leg right now. And uh, my name is Mitch Goldman, and I have the great pleasure of having drummer Reggie Sylvester here in the studio. And um, Reggie, you've been so generous and insightful talking about the years that you spent playing with Burn Nicks and um, and that was you man that was you I love the way this group moves so seamlessly seemingly effortlessly um, among I just I mean it's kind of a cliche to talk about you know oh we're we're playing we're changing genres we're we're kind of referencing this uh, bebop thing that we're going to play this reggae thing you guys aren't doing that you're just uh, it's a language that's just very very fluid and um, it does sound and maybe I'm speaking because I know this to be the case that it's coming really coming from Burn and his uh, expanded mind Burn has a way of like pointing everybody in certain paths, you know? Um, that, I mean, and at that time, <coughs> we were playing once a week, at least. Um, we were constantly talking on the phone. I, I mean, for myself, I, w- I was constantly talking on the phone with them and... Um, Matt and um, Francois was playing in different ensembles together. And um, so much of these, so much of this stuff is so personal from, from, from just human beings musically knowing. I would even say it's knowing. I would say it's feeling. Where, where, because stuff would happen, we would make, we would, we would make changes on stage, stuff would happen. I remember this show right before we went on, and that was like a big show, that was like a big show for us, you know, um, we went on before Steve Delachinsky and Connie Carruthers, and Steve Delachinsky said, yeah, kid, we finally made the big time, kid. You know, <laughs> and you know, you channel people, man. I, I can see it. I can see. You know, it's so funny. You kind of like Steve, if you're listening. <laughs> watch this man. He has got you nailed. <laughs> got I, your I mean, it was like, it was like, it was like a dream, actually. I mean, it was like I, I had for myself. I had actually achieved this dream i was 
I was on stage with these people. I was the the day before was um, Roy Campbell played the day before. You know, I mean, I mean again, um, much praises um, to Arts for Arts and um, the Vision Festival, um, the Arts for Arts organization for um, giving us the opportunity as well as. Um, there was a thing for all the artists that that played that they could get into um, any of the other, sh you know, one of the other shows totally for free. So I went the day before and it was, um, you know, I was backstage hanging from the beginning on the end with Roy Campbell and Roscoe Mitchell and like uh, Tani Tabal and all the heavies and, you know, um, Bill Tolles was... Um, Overseeing all of it, you know, he, he did the Michelle and Diggy Cello record, you know, I knew him from the um, Black Rock Coalition days. So this was like, you're playing this now, and this is like bringing back all these memories. And I'm thinking there, and right before we go on stage, Francois says, Yes, Reggie, think space. <laughs> Just think space. So <laughs> <laughs> This is, a, I mean, it was a, an extremely human and personal band. We we really, um, you know, it's 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 got it's it's hard to. Um, it's a, it, it was a very unique, you know, to me. It was just that we were all breathing the same quarter note. I was breathing the same quarter note that that Burn was breathing. Well, you know, you you talk about you talk about that. And you talk about those Monday night rehearsals, whether there was a gig or not. And the thing it makes me think of more than anything, and I don't think it's just because it's Burn Nicks that you're talking about, but um, when, and uh, you probably know the story too, that when Ornette put Primetime together, he took all those guys and <laughs> they went to Paris <laughs> and stayed in this house together and did nothing but play for months and I think and you know you listen to that band and it sounds they just came up with their own whole way of speaking to each other and engaging each other and the kind of role playing that they all had in the music that almost had nothing necessarily to do with what instrument they were playing as uh, just speaking through the music and I think um, you know, there's at, at least a parallel there. I mean, I don't know if that's something. Did you ever talk to Byrne about any of that? Yep. 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 Um, to me, I think a lot of these different um, um, how would I say um, innovators, the the ones that actually there's something to having where you're where where basically the musicians are are living with each other or at least very personally um there's some there's something to that playing every day having rehearsals where none of those rehearsals felt like rehearsals it felt like we was we was going over to Francois's place, and we were, you know, we were gonna run, you know, we were gonna do different, and and we would do tunes that had different. Some of the versions, because you know, we'd be listening to this stuff while we're eating, or like you know, and Burn would always say, "Yes, 
Okay. Run that back, Francois. Run, run, run that back. You know, so we'd be <laughs> listening to this stuff while, while we're eating or drinking a tonic water or something like that. So it never felt like a rehearsal. And the time went so fast. And you, it, there is something to, you know, um, I guess Sun Ra did the same thing. With oh, like, yeah. You know, the yeah. musicians... You really, there's something, there is something to that as opposed to just, you know, going, going to, you know, going to the rehearsal studio and, and read the lead sheets, you know. Um, yeah, paid rehearsals, pay me. Oh, well, people got to get mad about that. You know? <laughs> but, you know, there's something, there's something to doing it that way where it's very, that's a that's a very that was I'm listening to this here, and a lot of times I I. Oh man, um, that was an extremely personal band. That was a really personal rhythm section. We were listening hard to each other, and like when when we weren't list, I mean, went no, I mean I was the newbie. Um, when I wasn't listening, um, you know, either Byrne would subtly let me know or one or two times Francois would say, that's not it. That's not us. <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got Was it. That, I mean, I can only imagine, especially those long rehearsals, but even on a gig too, you, I would think you have to really be mentally present every instant. All the time. All the time, you know. Plus, as well, the um, Byrne had this French sense of humor, and 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 the interplay between Byrne and Francois. I mean, it was it was just extremely unique. Um, yeah, it was it was it was it was really. We had one. I would say one thing about that band for me those five and a half years was um not there, there there were some of these gigs that weren't documented at all and that that's really horrible to me um we had a gig at the patterson the free patterson library and we opened up a series there and that was a gig where i believe we played an uh, over an hour and 30 minutes straight and then at the very end um we did, we hardly ever do covers, but we did a cover of Blue Monk at the very end. But in those hour, and it was probably an hour and 35 minutes. It was, oh, maybe even an hour and 40 minutes. It felt like 15 minutes. There was, um, there was no set list. And, um, you know, Byrne called off the first tune and we just went right, no counts. We just went, as we went right out of the tune, Burn might play two bars and we go into something. There was a couple of things where we went right in just on the nod of the head and everybody, everybody was in it. And we, we played like an hour. I, I don't, we played an hour. We played an hour. We played over an hour and a half, hour and 35 minutes, and it felt like 15 minutes. I'm just saying you know but that was from playing we was playing 
between playing regularly every week and everybody was was man i have never tried so hard in my life i've never been so focused to be able to get the music to be able to to i've never focused so much. and it wasn't like a like hard it was just focusing on this i got to get it was it was it, it was just focusing it was just it it was just focusing on the music i mean you know um I I um well it, maybe let's go back to the um vision festival. Okay. Now um where was this? Where was this? Oh, this was at Roulette. Oh right, okay. This was a beautiful a beautiful um beautiful stage at Roulette. Um uh, it was um the Friday night. Um I believe that um Opening the festival, I mean, a, a, a night that had Milford Graves on, like, um, like a couple of sets of different individuals with Milford Graves opened it. But we were on the Friday night, and um, Connie Carruthers was on. Connie Carruthers and Steve Dalchinsky was before us. And, um, you know, another, um, I played at the memorial for Connie. Um, I was blessed to meet her. Um, at the um, at the Vision Festival, um, and and then some of the meetings that Patricia had. It's deep focus. This one's a rebroadcast from October second, two thousand seventeen, a Monday night, like all the rest of them. If you just stumbled in here, you should know that this is deep focus, and there's a podcast that's probably available on your favorite podcasting app. And if not, you can always find us at the hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. I'm Mitch Goldman. Now, if you know that, and you're already a subscriber, uh, you know that it's always free, no ads, no Patreon, tip cup, nothing. We'll keep that up as long as we can. And um, the only thing we ask is uh, let folks know if you like it. If you appreciate what we're doing, then give us a thumbs up or five stars or whatever it is. That's going to help some people who don't know about this show find it. And uh, that's a little something you can give back. So we ask you to do that. Otherwise, this one, you just heard part one of three parts. So there's two more parts waiting for you.